morning, everybody. It's time for another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast. We're going to be breaking down some more Bosch. We are at season four, episode seven. It's called Missed Connections. And there's a lot going on. I know I probably say that every week, but it just kind of things seems like things are about to boil over. So let me check with my counterpart. Officer Pete, do you concur? Are things about to boil over? It's it's all ready to go. I mean, it's like the 4th of <laughs> July, you set up all your fireworks and you just got to light them. So you just wait for the right time of day and the right, the right color of the night. And, you know, mm-hmm. just you're waiting for it and you know it's going to be good. And it feels like everybody's kind of putting out fires, even a literal fire in this episode. We're going to get to that. So it's just tensions are high. And um, I, I feel like in some ways I feel like we're getting closer to solving this Howard Elias murder. But then in this episode, we start to question. And I'm not sure. Are we getting closer? What do you think, Pete? Just in general, do do you do you feel like we're getting closer or do you feel like we're kind of going the other direction? I mean, I thought we had it. I thought this was a, yeah. a done deal. 48 hours, he's done, and you know they're going to announce it, and here's the fallout. But apparently, Bosch isn't going to let it go because, like I brought up last week, he has mm-hmm. a gut feeling, and he, his gut is never off for, in his mind. So if his gut mm-hmm. would be so far off by so much, you could see yeah. in this episode, he's just trying to climb out of that and figure it out. Like, what? where did he go wrong? Because if and obviously it not... wasn't him, then mm-hmm. who was it? <laughs> Right, he can't. He can't let his gut. He, he can't ignore it. There's no, no. It's not. I don't think it's physically possible for him to ignore it and and put it aside. Um, so yeah, it, it's eating at him, and he just can't put the lid on things. Now there are quite a few people. This might be a good way to get into the recap. There's quite a few people that do want to put the lid on it. I would say the mayor. Yes. He wants oh, to put yeah, the lid on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he has a talk with Chief Irving about when are we going to, you know, charge this guy, wrap it up, make an announcement. Um, Chief's not going to be pushed into doing something until it's actually done and it's done the right way. Uh, Bradley Walker makes a visit, talks to Chief Irving. He's kind of anxious to see if there's going to be an announcement. He's And we learned that he's working on this blue ribbon panel of the mayors um, trying to provide some third party watchdog type um, involvement to keep an eye on the police department, which is all, you know, certainly good and well, but do you remember where the money's coming from, Pete? Most of the money. Is it, I was going to say, isn't it funded by like him or his organization? <laughs> I think so I think so. I think Walker is funding, whether it's through his company or him personally, I think he's funding uh, most of the panel. So it sounds like a great idea, but is it really all on the up and up? If, you know, as president of the police commission, him doing the funding. So it's like, hmm. Do you trust so sure him? I don't trust him. <laughs> no, I don't trust him. No, I, he seems snarky to me. So whether I trust him or not, he just, he doesn't seem sincere to me. And that always, that's, I think that's important in a person to be able to find some sincerity. So yeah, I have some questions about Bradley. Um, okay. And even in the task force, what would you say, we won't get into the details of the case so much yet, but you know, we're talking about who wants to put the lid on this thing. Who do you feel like in the task force is kind of like, I'm done? Um, Not Bosch, like obviously. You know, I feel like everybody on the show wants to put – every character wants to put the lid on this case one way or the other. But I feel like there's never been uh, so many different reasons why people want to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. And now, I would yeah, have to like, say maybe Pierce is the exception. Like I, you well, can see he's tired from it, but yet he's thinking of, well, maybe we should check this. Maybe we should look for the, for the bullet that went through the conductor, you know, the driver of Angel's flight. He, I mean, he seems like he's still willing to get it solid. I feel like he's doing the math. He's doing the math and it's not okay. adding up. And it's the same okay. thing for Bosch. These guys, mm-hmm. you know, they're all trained a certain way and they come from a different, a different breed of police, you know, investigators and, you know, police work and, it's not adding up. The math isn't adding up. It's like, you know, he mm-hmm. did a slam dunk, but it got three points for it. How does that happen? 
That's how I feel is what's going on. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pushing it. I feel like they're pushing it. Any other show, any other situation, they would have been told to wrap it up or they would have got, you know, removed from the case. But in this situation, they're, they're, they're still digging and they're finding stuff and it's, it's expanding the case, extending the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just they like they Bosch keeps saying it has to be able to stick in court, and they're running through these different scenarios, and they're just just not there yet. Um, I believe our other counterpart, Wella Ruby Titus the Third, will be joining us in a little while. But before he gets here, let's kind of move through the recap with some of the other storylines we see going on. Um, do you want to talk about what's going on with Maddie in this episode? I I mean she's been confused. Mm-hmm. She's been confused, I feel, since, you know, Eleanor went and, you know, in this episode, you see a lot of things like the 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 paper from college that she mm-hmm. threw away. And, you right. know, she had, a, she had a long talk with Reggie, how I waited yep. to see Reggie, but uh-huh. that was kind of disappointing, you know, like. I know. He, he did what he was supposed to do, which was give her closure, I feel. Yeah. But it just made, it just, uh, how many hits can this poor girl take all I know. every episode? This poor girl. I mean, come yeah. on. It made the situation even sadder. You know, a bad situation just keeps getting worse. Um, yeah, so we, we, she did need that closure, but it kind of created some other wounds as well. I did well, notice that I'm sure you noticed that she's wearing um, the ring that Harry gave Eleanor. She's wearing that I, now. And they made it uh, a point to do a big close-up on that, I noticed. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Which I think says a lot about her, where she's at emotionally and her attachments, you know, and her grief. I mean, it just, it shows her going through the different stages and wanting to hold on to something from her mom. And, well, let, you me know, you, let me ask you this yeah. then. Um, mm-hmm. I got to go, I got to go one for you. Do you think right. that it's possible that Maddie is now, you know, trying to hold on so hard that she could in fact try and try to become a woman like Eleanor. Hmm. That's why maybe she's holding on to these things. Maybe she wants to, you know, when these things happen and you start to, you start to realize, you know, like you memorialize stuff Mm -hmm. and you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, you know, her life was great and she did this and she was so cool. That was my mom. And you know, I want to be like her. And she's at the point where she's turning into the adult, the adult she wants to be. And this could really shape her. I mean, we spoke about this a few podcasts Mm -hmm. back. This could really shape her. And do you think maybe, She's going to go that direction. Is that what they're trying to show you, that she's she's becoming a stronger, more independent woman now than she would have been? I don't know. It's like, that is a good question. I feel like when we talked to Madison Lentz, who plays Maddie, she kind of she kind of felt like, just from her perspective, um, you know, not spoilers or anything, but she just kind of seemed like she felt like Maddie would go more in the direction of Bosch, Um Mm-hmm. more so than her mom but at the same time they both were in law enforcement to some degree so it almost doesn't matter I mean it matters but one way or the other she's going to be if she goes into some type of law enforcement she'll be representing them them both in some way but um I mean I see the ring kind of as a sign of her not only trying to hold on to her mom but kind of hearkening back to what they had when they were an intact family unit still together before Harry and Eleanor separated, you know, we ended up in the last episode where she learns about that visit to Borrego Springs. And, and she says, that's the last time we were, you know, really together as a family um, unit. So I think it's just kind of representative of just feeling, you know, missing her mom and maybe even missing what could have been if things had been different um, with Harry and Eleanor. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it just, it's an emotional thing. So it's hard to say. But Okay. I, I'll give you that. I mean, uh, yeah, you could look into it either way. I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. There's a lot to, just, to speculate on. You can both there, agree this yeah. girl, this poor girl. <laughs> yeah, she's getting, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, and throwing that letter in the trash, her acceptance letter, you know, it, it's almost like she's a little bit frozen in time, you know, that she can't quite move forward yet. You know, th- this has sort of been such a pivotal event, horrible event in her life that it's probably got her kind of, you know, stopped in her tracks. Like, wait, does my path change now? You know, what happens next? Where do I go from here? 
So I, I can kind of understand her tossing the letter and not wanting to deal with that right now. Do you do you make sense of that? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if they did this on purpose, the writers, but I feel like mm-hmm. if that letter went in the garbage at this point in time in the show, then that letter might resurface before the end of the season has kind of like a rebirth mm-hmm. of Maddie moving on. And I mean, I, I can't see them yeah. showing that getting thrown out unless like she's going to take a totally – totally different path in life that doesn't involve like schooling. But I believe that right. from what I've seen in the show, she's gonna, she's gonna, you know, she'll pick up that in episode 10 and show Harry and we might even see a, a scene in the future of her playing sports for that college or something, you know, like we still right. have to wait to see episode 10, but I'm just saying that's what it seems like to well, me. It's, it's a, it's there for a reason. Thankfully Grace got it out of the trash or at least saw it. And um, so it's, at least someone else knows about it. So that's, that gives us some confidence about it, you know, being talked about again, hopefully. So speaking of grace, she um, had a bit of a sort of dilemma to deal with. A couple of her officers left a bar, had alcohol on their breath, but then they end up stopping um, some young men who are trying to get into a car and they're only trying to get into the car because, you know, they locked the keys in there, but they, take it a whole different way and have them up against the fence, call in backup. Um, it's just not the way it should have gone down. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, let me chime in here for a second because I come yeah. from um, a neighborhood where, you know, the, 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 the people in the street are a little rougher than like, you know, your normal average Joe. So from mm-hmm. looking at that, scene, I understand the cop's point of view, you know, the time mm-hmm. of day, I, area people you know whatever you want to call it i understand the people's point of view like we're going into my car you have no right but it was just played so poorly on both sides it should have been an instruction video on how not to handle a situation on either side because you can't do things like that i'm sorry i like you know i understand that the cop doesn't have a right to exit that but at the end of the day he's a cop and no matter how many drinks he's had i feel he still is probably better suited for the situation than you are sober since you don't have training. So, you know, mm-hmm. show the guy your ID. He's going to look at it and say, okay, this car belongs to you and your friend. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Done. Done. That's it. I've seen it happen a trillion times. Tracy, it's happened so many times where you just communicate by one end or the other, just communicates the proper way and the situation gets solved. This was handled so poorly. And now poor Bill has got to do you know, janitor, clean up duty for all this, all this mm-hmm. little paperwork mess. It's just, what are you guys doing? I mean, I understand that, that they showed you this, and it was such a realistic scene because that really happens all the time. So mm-hmm. I was glad they okay. showed you that. But you know, the way it was important to see the way she handled it, I felt for the future of Bosch and her character. Because technically, they should not have engaged, right? If no, there was not at all. Yeah. So, um, but the, she does try to resolve the situation by letting them know just how poorly they handled it without it getting out into the public. Because she talks to the backup officer who wrote up, I guess, a log or report of it, um, how things went down. And um, obviously there were a lot of red flags, which normally could get them written up as a 128, like um, on behavior on becoming to a police officer or whatever. And that would go public. And Billets is really nervous right now with the sort of the climate of everything with the justice for now, justice now protest coming along with the Elias murder and all the different suspicions about RHD and just, there's just things are tense. And so she doesn't want to add to that, but she doesn't want to push it under the rug either. So she goes with this notice to correct option and she gives them an earful. We see her talk to um, officer powers. We don't see her talk to Edgewood, but we find out in talking to officer powers that Edgewood is going to lose his chance to apply for vice for at least six more months so it's really she's making sure it has an impact and she's making sure that they get the message that they messed up so um it's just interesting watching her manage these situations and that's what she's having to do she's having to really manage some um some tough stuff so well you know what i feel like i feel like she is doing a job in a temporary position that she's not mm-hmm. trained for officially or fully yet and right. if she messes up that job she will lose all her jobs 
She, you know, she's in a situation yeah. where if you mess this up, you're not going to go back to where you are. You're going to be sweeping, patrolling, pick, cleaning meters and reading meters, you know, just because you messed up a job that you weren't even, you know, properly put into. So I feel like she's in a tough spot and she's yeah. nailing it. She's nailing it perfectly. I think she is the perfect person for that job and I hope she gets the permanent position. I mean, that's all I'm saying. If she wants it. You got to wonder if she wants it now. She I think Amy, so Amy Aquino. Well, I know, I know, but I think Amy Aquino even brought up that she has to wonder if Billets would really want it after going through all this. But that was earlier, you know, in the season, so we'll see, you know. Maybe I'm gonna she... I'm gonna make a, a gentleman's a gentleman's wager and say that she okay. definitely wants it and if offered she'll take it. Okay. I'm writing it down. We'll check it out, see what happens. All, all right. right. Well let's um let's move along to the um the Sheehan case. Um there is they're trying to come up with scenarios. Did he have an accomplice? You know, they're trying to find a way that this works and really sticks and they're just kind of coming up with some holes, some missed connections, so to speak. Um but then Honey Chandler wants to meet with Harry and she has found out that Elias had made a tech request to play a video in court. He hadn't told anybody else about it. He wanted to practice doing it himself. He was going to do it just himself. So this must be really important because it wasn't in his discovery evidence. And Bosch is smart enough to figure out that it must be something so incriminating, something that strong would not even have to be included in your discovery. Well, so, they, they did a really good job about figuring out the way it was going to go down. Did you see when they had their conversation about how he didn't say about – he didn't tell them about the video up front, but he was going to cross-testify them, lock them into a story, then show them a video that negates their story and just bury them all? That was genius, and they figured it out pretty oh, yeah. quick, um, yeah, Chandler and Bosch. That yes, was, they they're, good, they're a good little combination, I tell you that much. They are. I agree. They made a good team on that. They, they, like, they were both coming to the same conclusion that this evidence, whatever he was going to show, was so strong um, that it wouldn't even have to have been in discovery, that it could just essentially prove um, something right there. Um, so Bosch begins to think it must be something that shows – another camera in the black guardian case, you know, what else could be so, you know, strong of evidence that he would be able to hold it out like that. Um, and that he would keep only to himself and be so protective of. So he and J Edgar make a trip to the scrapyard. to look at that bathroom again, where they were holding Michael Harris looking around. Cause I think there were like two cameras that had been pulled for the eye investigation. Well, we know that J. Edgar and Bosch, they don't take anything for granted. They're looking around. Where could it possibly be? What would give a good point of view behind the mirror? So they pull the mirror off and see a piece of the mirror material scratched out so that a camera could look right through. And they see some um, spackle on the wall and stuff where something had been cleaned up. And uh, pretty much looks like there was a camera there. And they talk to the guy who either manages or owns the scrapyard. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I don't know anything about that. Well, they work on him, Harry especially, and gets him to basically admit, okay, yes, I, I pretty much says that he did have a camera there because he, was, he wanted to hire ex-convicts. But at the same time, he had fears about what might possibly happen, maybe with drugs or something. And so he wanted to keep an eye on things. And he placed a hidden camera behind the mirror and said he checked it, what, like once a week or once every couple of weeks? Um, yeah, once a week, I think it was. Something in that time frame. So, but nevertheless, the camera is gone. So they, they kind of find out there was one there, um, but it's gone. And so now they they have to figure out um, who took it uh, and what was on that SD card from the camera. So that's another big, big hole in the case, another big development that they can't just let that go. Um, and But Harry's trying to, trying to make sense of it because he's still got the evidence from ballistics that, um, that Sheehan's gun, you know, it was the perfect match. So that's conflicting with this idea um, that because in the, okay, let's back up, because in the garage, Pierce and Robertson go visit the garage of Sheehan and they find in an old paint can Robertson finds um, like extra barrels and hollow points for his gun. So if, if he's going to commit a murder, why wouldn't he use these backup pieces that no one else 
knew about instead of the gun that he actually handed over to Bosch. I mean, that just makes zero sense, right? Oh, absolutely. But if you're <laughs> drunk and you're going to murder somebody you hate, I don't really think you think you think it through mm-hmm. properly. And that's that's got to be the theory because I couldn't. I thought about that. And I was like, there's got to be no other theory except for this guy just took whatever gun was accessible and just went and did what he had to do in the middle yeah. of the, the bender or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. this is the fallout, and he knows he's guilty, and he's just confessing to everything now at once because he confessed to Black Guardian. I yeah. think, like I said, I, it's hard to come back from this one if you're shamed. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a very good point, too. I didn't think about that, like just sort of a, a crime of passion kind of thing. But it, but it definitely raises some red flags. So by the end of the episode, Boss is just weighing all this different as evidence and um, trying to figure out what's going on. Because, I mean, I guess if you think about it, if Sheehan, if there was another camera and Sheehan knew anything about it and he was guilty of something, which he has already said he's guilty of the Michael Harris thing, then – that would be a motive to to shut Elias down. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, but then the gun stuff is you know thrown in there creates some holes. So by the end, he's just staring at the like the evidence board, looking down the list of things about she and where's something missing? What have I missed? He says he's got to look again, look again, and he kind of zones in on that line where he was in the officer involved shooting where he actually shot Oscar Villanova, I think was his name. And so that just sort of springs something in Harry's mind. And he decides to go check out the evidence from that case and um, see if that gives him some more information, something to compare notes with. And when he goes, he finds out there is evidence missing. Mm -hmm. And he he asks the officer on duty, well, why would these be missing? And he said, well, it was checked out a couple days ago. Well, by who? Amy Snyder. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum, dum. And that's kind of where the episode ends. So we're left thinking, what the heck is going on? Is she, has she betrayed everyone? Um, what, she's, is she someone on the inside? You know, what is going on? We've become extremely suspicious of her, and we want answers now. But, of course, that's when the episode ends. So... That's where we are, but it certainly shows that um, Bosch is gut about looking again. <laughs> she seems guilty. Yeah. Listen, she's but, IA, and here's the most important thing to understand. The mm-hmm. beginning of the season, they brought her in, and she had a lot of FaceTime. The last few episodes, she hasn't had yeah. none, which means they, they, they silenced her a little bit, put her out of the scene. Because she's mm. going to come back and be the real bad guy at the end. I'm <laughs> telling you, bad news is coming, people. I mean, could be a red herring. Who knows? But it just, yeah, she looks uh, very suspicious right now. And you know Harry's going to be all over that in the next yep. episode. So, all right. Um, give me a question that you have for the interrogation room tonight. Something you want to talk about or pick okay. my brain about. I have a good one for you, actually, because okay. it's fitting. Um, so... I've come to the conclusion after watching this episode that we're probably seeing the end of Reggie and the KTK. (laughs) I mean, you're going to hear about them, but you're not going to hear a lot about them. They have now been side stories, right? So at least I believe that's, I believe that's the, that's the question I had. Um, I want to say thank you to the writers for at least answering those two loose ends, because those were the two most important things that I wanted to see out of the season is those characters (laughs) develop. And they yeah. never develop. Um, right. Now, we know that KTK is probably dead. And we'll probably, you know, we might hear more about him because it seems that there's an investigation going on. You know, mm-hmm. they show them with the prints. I don't know what, what's going on. But um, I guess, is this the end of their stories, both of them? And I guess more for Reggie, this question. Is this the end of Reggie's story? Was that his, his final moment on Bosch? And is Reggie gone now for at least this season, do you think? Well, okay, for KTK, I... I... Officer Pete, he's dead. He was dead when we saw him last week. He's gone. He had a gun no. beside him. No, yes. I wanted to see yes. like more crazy stuff. I wanted to see like a, a flashback episode of KTK's life. That's what I wanted to see. The, the backstory of KTK. I know yes. he's a very intriguing villain, and and especially to you, I can tell. Um, and, and a really spooky thing too, because we just it did. You know, I mean, the way he would pull up on people, and the way we got I got jumped in on my seat when he ran up against Honey Chandler earlier in the season. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of 
there was a lot to it that was very creepy and intriguing and, you know, made you wonder. So I, I get it. I get it. But I do totally believe that he was lying there dead, not not alive. Um, but the funny thing, too, is they couldn't find any dirt on him until they got Prince back or whatever, or got the gun back and um, found out the gun was stolen. So then we're like, oh, okay. I mean, we, we've known all along, but um, that, that gave them evidence that uh, something was definitely not on the up and up. So I don't, I mean, I think we'll probably, the case is not solved completely. So I think we may see a few more things. Um, in the season, but I don't think it's going to extend beyond this season. As far as Reggie, I kind of got the feeling that that was like a wrap up of his story. And that was actually going to be one of my questions for you. It's interestingly was, is he ever going to get to leave that detention center? I mean, it, it would seem like he would do his time and then get to go. But the way he was talking to Maddie was almost like, he wouldn't be able to see her again ever. And I, so I was a little um, confused on that part, but it just, the way it was played and the emotion of it, it just kind of felt like, I want you to know, I love you. I want you to know I chose you um, and your mom and take that with you because I may never see you again. That's, that's kind of how I saw it. So what do you say? Poor Reggie. He said that he's the only reason why he was in trouble was because um, Eleanor looked into his family. Mm-hmm. Poor Reggie. Poor Reggie. Do you can think I, we're can I follow see that up with something? I'm, Sugar Snacks. You know, I'm, I'm, Sugar Snacks. I'm here. Sugar Snacks. I'm here. You see Sugar that? I'm, I'm listening Please. to you guys, waiting for a moment to jump in here. Tell us something mean, insightful. The, the whole Reggie thing with Maddie. Maddie's already. Um, kind of misprotective of Harry, miss uh, mm-hmm. uh, almost like his, his own parent. And now yeah, with, yeah. with mom gone and Reggie looking like, uh, you know, he's gone. Uh, I mean, she's a smart girl. Does this, does this up her level of protection of Harry? Does this, is this going to change her relationship because he's almost like the last one left? Like yeah. how does, how does that evolve is my question. I think I, I, I definitely would see it that way, that her grip on him is going to get even tighter, not necessarily right. in a bad way, but right. but it is going to bond them even far, further. I mean, they both have lost their moms. They both, you know, lost Eleanor. Um, yeah, that I think it is going to maybe somewhat out of fear of losing someone else, but I think eventually it's just going to be a stronger bond in general between the two of them. I, I don't see how it could go any other way. So, I agree. I agree. Point. And then another character follow-up while we're in the interrogation room, because mm-hmm. I'm coming in late, so I'm going to talk a lot for a second. <laughs> Billets. Um, Billets is really kind of in the thick of things now. Um, yes. She's come so far in this this new role, even though it's, I don't know, not real or not 100% official. Temporary. I... I feel for her because she's in a terrible spot, um, but she's still got to lead all this, and she's dealing with these various headaches. Mm-hmm. Where, is, where is this going to lead her? Is she? Do you think she's going to continue to step up and push for higher in the department? Do you think all this nonsense and stress is going to eventually have her, you know, back down and never mind? I don't want anything to do with this. Um, well, Officer Pete thinks that that she will. He he thinks that she's going to see that she's good at this and pursue it. I kind of think the other direction, based on our interview with Amy Aquino, and again, not that it was any kind of spoiler, but just from her opinion as playing the character that, oh, she must be, you know, realizing that this could be a big headache. Maybe she doesn't want this after all. So I kind of lean the other direction. So. And I think I lean that direction, too. That's kind of why I'm asking. I feel like, I mean... Something like this and going through all this, wouldn't you even consider retirement? <laughs> no. Come on, Officer man. Pete, no, keep at it. Keep at yeah, it. I know. He, he's too tough. Be he's best. too tough. He's going to be the best ever. You'll see. It's funny in life. I mean, let's just, for as an aside, it's funny in life when people are really good at things that they don't enjoy doing. So True. I think it's going to 
I think it's going to come down, and it happens. I think it's going to come down to her personal level of fulfillment. Is it fulfilling for her to do this job? Because I think she's already proving that she's good at it. Um, before we leave the interrogation room, I just this is more of a think about, not really answer question. But I was just thinking, what if Reggie? You know, Eleanor, if you go back to episode four and she's telling Harry how she he said, you know, that she had to choose and she said, no, you have to choose us or your or your, you know, biological family. And she's waiting on him and it seemed like he didn't make the choice for them. What if he had chosen them right away and just made it clear? Think about how the whole story could change. I mean, wow. I mean, that changes uh-huh. everything. Yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, Eleanor may still be here, likely. Um, Now, but would she be working with, if he chose them, maybe she wouldn't be working with the FBI. You know, maybe that would be, you know, kind of part of it, too. So it's like, who gives up what? But I just, I I find it interesting to sort of step back and, and think about what if they had made some different decisions. And it also made me wonder when he told Maddie you you have a family you're born into and then you have a family that you choose and I chose you and I chose your mom. It's almost like he was making that decision, but too late. You know, he wanted her to know that, but he never did that with Eleanor. But in the end, he does say that to Maddie. So it's just kind of like, Oh, too late, too late. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not really asking you to answer the question. It's just something I was throwing out there. Things to ponder. Things to ponder. All right. So um, in our evidence, no, persons of interest, um, you get a minute to tell me about your person of interest. Jay, you're going first. Oh, I'm going first. Uh, yeah. my, my person of interest is is Terry Drake. Um, He's he's another one that's kind of in the thick of things, and you know we've seen him for the last I don't know four episodes, just suspicious and kind of shady, and but still on the same time at the same time kind of on top of things, and mm-hmm. so for me, you know he's he's been around so long, he's been yeah. in that police business so long. He's obviously kind of dissecting everything, but I wonder when the pressure becomes too much, when mm-hmm. or if he makes a mistake, um, you know, where where he's going to fall in all this, you know, guilty or not guilty. I mean, he's yeah. in this somewhere, somehow, um, just with everything that he's done up until this point that um, for me, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I don't want to say I have all the other characters kind of figured out where they are right here uh, up to this point, but I feel like him, he's a huge question mark for me still. Okay. All right. Well, maybe he'll answer some of those questions in a few minutes in their debrief. Mm -hmm. The actor who, the actor who plays Terry Drake. Um, All right. You Pete, who's your person of interest this week? All right. Um, I guess, This is a tough one. I had two, but I'm going to go with the easy one. And the easy one is okay. Snyder. I want to know what's what's up with that. Why are you taking out evidence? That Why are you working back on things that Boston didn't tell you to work back on yet? Why are you doing it two days ago? What are you doing, Snyder? I want to know ASAP. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could you not be that's interested fair. in what's yeah, going on with her? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm going to go. Um, I think those are great choices. I'm going to go with Honey Chandler. Because I just I liked that cooperation with Bosch. Neither one of them crossed lines that they weren't supposed to with their jobs. Like they're still like sort of standing their ground about the boundaries of what you know. Like he didn't want her to come into the task force room, you know, and she can't give him more than a certain amount of information about what she found. But yet they're having a dialogue and they're working together. And um, it sounds like this email about this video um, is pretty much a, a you know a bombshell and is going to move this case um in a in a different direction it's some heavy information that we did not know was out there prior so she's mine for this week honey chandler all right yeah. evidence locker 
Um, I think, you know, we pretty much covered that. We found in Sheehan's garage, there's more. Another gun. Yeah, another gun part, more gun parts. (laughs) Um, We, um, we found out that there is, you know, there was another camera. So we're thinking that Elias had some type of video from that camera. We find out that not so much finding evidence. We found out evidence is missing that we think Snyder probably took because she was the last one to handle the box of evidence um, for that case. So, yeah, there's some some big stuff. Um, Jay Edgar is working on getting information from Tiffany Sue, the the dealer of the last poker game that Eleanor played in. So he's trying to get some intel from her. Um, So that's kind of where things are, are moving along. We're, we're left really, really ready for the next episode um, by the end of this one. So um, before we get to our tip line and sort of wrap things up, let's get to our exciting, informative debrief with Barry Shabaka Henley, who plays Terry Drake. Hi, this is Barry Shabaka Henley from Bosch, and I'm giving a shout out for Everybody Counts Podcast. Hey, 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 how are you, sir? I'm excellent. How about yourself, man? Doing all right. Uh, My name is Jay. Appreciate you joining me today. We are from the Everybody Counts Podcast on SoManyShows.com, and so we're definitely excited to talk to you. Uh, I am talking with Barry Shabaka Henley, who plays Terry Drake on Bosch. Um, so welcome to the show. Definitely appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me, Jay. Thanks. Oh, very happy to have you. Now, you should know about, I guess it was hmm, two months ago or so, uh, when Amazon first released the trailer for season four, uh, we got on and we did our podcast. And there's three of us on there. And we decided we were going to pick like our pivotal character from the season, uh, just based on the trailer alone. And my counterpart, Tracy, picked Eleanor. Uh, My other counterpart, Pete, he actually picked Reggie because we're wondering where the heck he is. But I picked you because you looked a little, hmm, I don't know if conspicuous, (laughs) but shady is the word. But I picked you. Did I make the right pick? What do you think? I would say dubious. Uh, you've made an excellent choice. Too. Um, and, you know, Terry Drake, especially early here in season three, he does look kind of super suspicious in a couple spots, especially I think it was episode three where he's kind of, you know, waltzing into the uh, investigative room a little bit early. Now, I would think that's kind of fun to be the suspicious character. Is that a, a challenging or is that, or is that fun to play that dynamic? Well, you know, I got to tell you, there, there is nothing more fun than playing that dynamic. Uh, and, you know, it's actually, you, you, you don't see yourself as shady. You see yourself as trying to acquire necessary information to help you build a case for yourself. And sure. I just basically saw it as an opportunity to, you know, I needed this information. I needed to make sure that who they were looking at, and I wanted to make sure that uh, I confirmed my own suspicions about the fact that they were looking at me. And I wanted to just make sure that, you know, I mean, I, I know the protocols. I know I know a lot of the people there. I'm recently retired, but I mm-hmm. still have, you know, very close connections to the department. And I just used the opportunity to, just sort of confirm some of my own suspicions. And in oh, my so it was all for good purposes. Oh yeah. I mean from my point of view, <laughs> there's nothing shady about it. But you know, I think looking from the outside in there may be a, another opinion on that. Maybe just a little bit. And I don't know if you've seen any of the, the fans uh reactions on social media or anything, but there's definitely a lot of them calling you out for being a little bit shady and suspicious. Does that does that make you proud of the job that you're doing or do you just kinda of chuckle in the background? Well, you know, I I think any attention that is laced with uh, emotion and opinion is good. Because sure. Sure. you've you've obviously touched a nerve in people, and whether it's good or bad, uh, you know it's uh, 
you've touched the nerves and you've, you've actually touched them deeper than the surface and they're responding to it. And, you know, this, it's a funny thing that the way this show was written, I never saw myself as shady, but as time Ooh. goes by, you know, you realize that there are some skeletons in my closet, but uh, oh, yeah. the skeletons are, the skeletons are justified in my eyes. I mean, you know, I'm a, I see myself as basically a decent guy. You know, I coach little league baseball. I, I'm a grandfather, uh, and I had a pretty stellar uh, career as a, a, a homicide detective in, in in Los Angeles. But you know, there are times when you think that you're right about something, and there are very high stakes, and there are very large things in jeopardy and you're willing to bend the rules in order to find, get to the, what you think is the truth. And sometimes you're wrong. It does happen. Unfortunately, Uh, um, we've talked about your character a little bit and we're of the opinion that it's Drake seems to be someone that seems to need to be in control of the different situations he's in or maybe just the other people around him. Is that a fair assessment of him? I think so. I think so. I mean, um, I think it's a, it's almost it's it's behavior that he's been accustomed to. Um, he's always been someone who was sort of reticent about the way everyone else did things, and so he sure. always felt that he the way he did things was the best way to serve his own interest. And so if he had to do certain things to uh, shape behavior in others and ultimately shape the existing world around him, that sure. I think that's a part of his nature, you know? I mean, it's, it's ultimately one of self-interest, but it's also one of seeing the world in a very specific kind of way that says, you know what, this works better for me. This kind of environment works better for me. And I think sure. the idea of having people around him under his influence is uh, for him the best way to operate. Hmm. Interesting. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. Uh, I want to switch gears for a second. And besides you being amazing here in Bosch, you seem to have had a very successful career, one in which you've been in a million different things. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've even, you know, switched channels and found you on two or three different things at the same time. And you've been in this business now, what, 25, 30 years at least. What do you, what do you attribute your own success and longevity to? Well, I think for me, it's, it's really just about approaching everything with, with, with the truth. Um, I had an acting teacher years ago, a very austere, a uh, Swiss German woman who uh, was oh. a Holocaust survivor oh. and uh, was very, very austere and strict. And I, I remember one day asking her, I said, well, what is a good actor? And she said, well, the only definition I have is someone who tells the truth. Oh, wow. And th- that's really all it's about. And there, and there are different ways of approaching the truth. I mean, I've worked in Commedia dell'arte, which is a very physical, uh, external form. And I've worked sure. in the very naturalistic, realistic, dramatic world, which is very interior. And she said, you know, if you are working in Commedia or you're working in clowning or something that is a very broad physical expression, when you show up on the stage, you have one second for people to connect with you. And so you have to bring the truth, whether it's from the outside in or the inside out. The ultimate goal of what you're trying to achieve is telling the truth. And for me, that's sort of been my motto. It's, it's, you know, every character I look at every, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've looked at characters and I've worn down them and people say, wow, you know, I I never thought about it that way, but I guess I didn't either, but it's for me, (laughs) the ultimate goal is achieving the truth. You know, I got a funny story. I growing up, I, I used to watch John Wayne movies, and you know, when I became an actor, I thought, you know, John Wayne's really not that great of an actor, I guess. But <laughs> later in life, I realized that he's a wonderful actor. I mean, oh. um, I remember seeing 
him play Genghis Khan in a movie, and I thought, that is the worst wow. Genghis Khan I've ever seen. It sounds <laughs> like, you know, a cowboy. Right. And that was about That's 20 right. years ago. But I saw recently saw The Shootist uh, with him and Amanda Blake and, and, and Ron Howard. And I was watching it, and I was thinking, you know, he was a character who was, he was dying of cancer, and he was an old gunfighter. And it was one of the most riveting moving performances I've ever seen by an actor. And I wow. thought, you know, it, it, he's, that's the truth. He brought the truth. He brought the universe of where this man was in the world at the time. And he brought it in a way that was honest and truthful. And so, that's you know, awesome. you change your opinion on things, you know, you, sure. you really do. You, you, and you should never hold an opinion about anything because for me, the truth is what I pursued, and you know, my acting teacher told me that back in the late seventies, early eighties, and to still today, it is something that when I find right. myself drifting away from it, find myself attempting a performance, I hear that voice. That's amazing. Say that's awesome. True. That's a great story. I love it. Well, it, she was a great teacher. Look at that. Learn something new every day. I, probably that truth motto is good for everybody in, in every circumstance, not just for acting. I like that. Absolutely. All right. Now, totally switching gears. Uh, just a couple questions left for you. At the end of all our interviews, we just ask a few questions that are kind of more silly in nature. Uh, there's no right yeah. or wrong answer. Um, and these questions, they're, it's kind of multiple choice. You get to choose from three people from the show. You get to choose your character, Drake, Robertson, uh-huh. or Bosch. So the first question, which one of those three would win in a game of Scrabble? Robertson. Oh, really? He seems a little too serious to me. But you might be right. You might. He's methodical. Maybe he would. Yes, he is. He was studying the (laughs) night before. All night. (laughs) Smart guy. Smart guy. Yeah. Let's say the three of you were working on a case together. And uh, you were going to be there all night because there was just so much to go over. And you guys decided to order some pizza, have it delivered to you so you guys could keep working. Which one of you three would actually pick up the tab? I would. Oh, what a nice guy. You see, you're not shady at all. (laughs) All right. The hardest question of them all. And this one I've thought about now for about 48 hours, and I can't decide on the answer. So you're going to have to definitely set the record straight here. Which one of you three has the better poker face? Tough one. Bosh. Yeah, even even more so than your guy. I mean, you guys are all so stoic. I never know what you guys are thinking. <laughs> well, but I, I think Bosch's poker face is almost like a mask. And oh, that's true. It's 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 you know he can he can ma- he can put the mask on in different ways. He can put the mask on in a smile, or he can put the mask on sure. in a very serious, stern look. But it is a mask. Uh, I think my poker face is neutral. It's just completely neutral. Yeah. No, I would I would agree. I think that's why we, we can't figure out whether you're totally on the up and up with us there in season four. Hmm. We'll have to see. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate your time. You're awesome. And, uh, hey, we're rooting for you. We're hoping you're hey, not well, the bad guy. Hey, thank you for choosing my character. Thank <laughs> you course, for choosing man. Terry Drake. Anytime. I appreciate Hey, you that. have a good rest of the day. All right, brother, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was a great interview. What did you take away from that that you want to talk about right now? You want me to go? I can go. Sure. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. All right. Um, I felt like, honestly... It was really good for me to hear that side of that kind of person because when I watch a show and I only know the character and I don't watch anything else from that character and I don't know any other character he plays, you know, out on other television and other movies and such, I really just make believe that person is the character that they always been. 
So um, it was good to see that you know he's very he's very human as a human human side. You know, it kind of <laughs> helped me humanize him in my own mind. So putting the character and the actor separate now, um, I mean he he's absolutely right. It's it's really hard to sell it, but he's still shady. Um, his character still gets on my nerves, and all I kept thinking was this guy did Black Guardian. <laughs> so <laughs> all I kept thinking. I mean, he did, he has embraced that character, so it really is hard to separate. And thank goodness we have these interviews and and get a chance to look at you know the the their true selves. And you know, um, yeah, it is it's it's fascinating. <laughs> it is helpful when you get so um, into a character that can get dark um, and shifty like that. Yeah. You guys use that word in the interview a lot. Eh? <laughs> yeah. like, I think that's just, a good word. Just Changing a little bit. for a moment. Yeah. 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 And so I also was just really interested in what he had to say about um, the acting teacher that he talked about and wasn't about that telling amazing? the truth. It really was what, to break wasn't it down. That amazing? It was like, it was such a simple thing, but yet it, it just, it made so much sense. Yes. You know, even like yes. you talked about from comedy versus drama, you're still trying, you know, to get the truth out there. So I thought that was really, really fascinating. Um, and just seems like a really, really cool guy, you know, like be fun to hang with, you know? You know, for me, for me, um, you know, when you, when you talk to different celebrities or stars from TV shows, you know, most of them are just genuinely awesome with us and mm-hmm. you you never really know what to expect obviously till you're right in the middle of chatting with them but <clears throat> here we are afternoon chatting and i have 78 different technical difficulties while talking to him <laughs> uh yeah. server goes down at one point um i think his phone um, wasn't doing well at one point. I, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And here I am like, God, this guy's going to be so angry with me. And he's going to be like, screw this. And he was <laughs> seriously one of the coolest, most genuine. He's like, man, take your time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You want me to call you back in five minutes? Do you want me to, do you want to call me back in five minutes? And he was just so, I hate to say sweet. Cause that, probably isn't but he was so sweet about it and then you know you talked about he the story with generous. the teacher or whatever i use the word he's, generous very generous so, spirit yeah so generous so gracious um so very very honest too i felt i mean you yeah. can tell like he likes playing yeah. these characters and god he's been he's been in so many millions of different things and, and he's been a mm-hmm. cop and a whole bunch of different stuff. And here he is playing this shady character and you can tell that he kind of enjoys it. I just, yeah. for me, it was just a ton of fun to talk to him in a, in a moment where I'm freaking out because I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing a professional interview and it's not working. Um, but just totally amazing. So I hope he's not guilty of anything because he is he is the person is is way too cool <laughs> way too cool yeah that was i really i really enjoyed that so thanks for for doing that for the podcast jay and talking with him and sharing that with us that was great all right we got a couple of things from the tip line um sharon reached out to us and uh we're doing our best to get sharon on the podcast next week it's so it's going to happen it's going to happen Dewan Johnson, who plays Pierce, Team Pierce, um, is is trying to help encourage that as well. So it's it's got to happen. So keep um, keep putting that out there. Um, and speaking of Pierce, she said when she was watching the episode, she was thinking how much she wished they would give Pierce's character more. But then, before she know it, knows that he takes up running after whoever decided to light the car on fire, and she loved that. Um, she just. She is hashtag Team Pierce for sure. I mean, aren't we all? But yeah, she's like, oh, we haven't seen much from him this week, and then bam, he is going after that person, not slowing down, not checking anything out. He's going right after him. Um, and she also said she watched extra carefully again last night. She rewatched the episode so Pete won't get her again with the trivia question. So we're gonna test that in just a minute. We also heard from Sister Teacher on Twitter. We love hearing from her. Um, she had great things to say about how Billets 
handled that disciplinary action. Um, we talked a lot about that, and she agrees with us there. Um, she, she's, boy, she spots stuff. It's great. She said when Chief Irving visited um, Elias's wife, Millie, it was the second time he asked someone, specifically a woman, to give him a chance to make progressive change in the department. The other woman was the activist, Desiree Zeely. So I love how she got that tie in that it was he's done that twice and it was both times with a female. So that was very insightful. Um, and I, I totally agree with this. She loved when Robertson said to Snyder, I solve murders, not mysteries, in regard to the dynamic between Chandler and Bosch. That was good. <laughs> the tension being so mm-hmm. thick. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, Jimmy Robertson totally has swagger, and this comment goes right along with it. I solve murders, not mysteries. <laughs> oh, what about what uh, about when Robinson is talking to Jay Edgar, and he's like, you know, if you need help, whatever you and Bosch are not are doing. not working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, he's he's got some some good good ones there. So gotta love Jimmy. Um, all right. Well, thank you, folks, for calling in on the tip line. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, but. Officer P, if you want to hit us up with a trivia question, if you think you can get us, now's your chance. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. The, um, the answer is six. Six. I got <laughs> it, Pete. We're done. There's not We're even done. no numbers in the answers. Oh. Not oh. numbers. Okay. That's the only right. No numbers. Um, it, actually, you know what? I lied. There is numbers. <laughs> um, so listen. This Can't is what's going you. on. All right. When you're doing trivia... And you know people are out there to try to you know outmaneuver yourself before to think of the questions you're going to think of before you think of them. You got to uh-huh. take all the obvious stuff off the table and really dig from the hip and hope you hit a home run. So I went yeah. with two obvious trivia questions, and I want to see how you guys fare on these obvious trivia questions today. Not the hard ones. So if you look for hard ones, you're not going to get them, people. Sorry. Oh, Sorry, Sharon. I'm, I, He's doing I like defer reverse to Tracy. psychology. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to defer to Tracy now. Yeah. I'm a man of many mysteries, and too bad you guys solve murders and not mysteries. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> first me. trivia question: um, When Drake is talking to the kid on the baseball field, mm-hmm. how does he tell him he should stand? At what 60, position? Forty. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Dang, she didn't even wait for the question to be over. Dang. She was just- She's just thinking of all the numbers in the episode. No, no, it's not because I watched it so closely. I'm thinking, oh, that would be good trivia. I was trying to visualize what he was saying. I mean, I know enough about sports to, I guess, to get myself in trouble. I don't know. But it, it, I was like, I was trying to imagine where he was talking about the 60 and where he's talking about the 40. Okay. So it just kind of, kind of stuck in my brain. Like I said, very obvious trivia this week. I tried to get one by you guys while you hey, were. I got it right. Don't say it's obvious. <laughs> Just say okay, so for the most non obvious trivia question that I've ever asked ever on Maddie's college letter, mm-hmm. what is the name of the university? Jay. Jim I'll give Jim, you a chance. talk about that. Jim we are Chapman. Yeah. Chapman. Okay. Chapman University. Okay, well, they're obvious trivia questions. Listen, I can't have a super hard one. People need to get it once in a while. Okay, right? but this People. one I gotta tell you. Real quick, Pete, if you read or listen to the books, like on Audible, you hear about that university in multiple books, I think. So that kind of, as Jay's a reader and I listen to them on audio. So Okay, 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 okay. So, so we have a little bit of on it. What month, what month was that letter dated and what year? Oh, God, dude. <sighs> I don't know <laughs> you why. Guys, you want I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> for some reason I'm thinking November 2017. You got it half right with the 2017. <laughs> Jay, you want to guess the month? I I was going to say February. Closer, very close, and I'll give you half credit because it was March. And it's funny March. because when I was doing the trivia, I said, is this question too obvious? Maybe I should look down the paper a little bit and look for something else. And here we are. So good for yeah. me. He got us. So we'll, we'll need some feedback from Sharon if she got any of these right. Um, as she's listening to the podcast, um, she probably did. She's so smart. That's why we need her on the podcast next week. <laughs> she's already huh? done listening. We didn't even put it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <she is. laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the trivia, Pete. It's always fun. This has You're been a welcome. great discussion. I look forward to talking about episode eight with you all next week. We've got some 
more great debriefs coming up, so stay tuned yeah. for those. And um, look for us on so many shows.com and we'll catch you next week. Bye everybody. See ya. Later. Good night. Good night.